Welcome to the Traffic Talk Podcast, anti-trafficking discussions for the modern abolitionists. I'm your host, Vern, from the Justice Ministry at Blue Water Mission. We've got a decade of experience fighting the injustice of human trafficking and have ministered to hundreds of victims by just using volunteers in our free time. But we've had outstanding results. We believe that there's a role for you in this fight too. On this podcast, you will hear interviews, stories, and discussions from people on the ground doing the real work. So plug in and get ready to open your heart and mind. And now, the next episode of the Traffic Talk Podcast. Okay, welcome to episode 15 of the Traffic Talk Podcast. Today is going to be a discussion, and we're talking about cultural um, tolerance of like, uh, sex trafficking or inappropriate, um, sexual activity, sexualization of, of individuals, uh, of young girls, of things like that. This is on the heels of what has been out in the news a lot now is the documentary about surviving R. Kelly, which I talked about, um, last week, but then there's also been other things coming up in the news this week. Like there's been, uh, discussion of the Florida massage parlor where a lot of customers were busted. And one of those customers that was busted um, for soliciting um, sex there was the guy that um, is the head coach of the Patriots, New England Patriots. And then what just came out this week um, was some this woman that runs it. She's got several pictures posted online and in other locations of her with really prominent officials and with politicians. And she even says on her website that she can, for her customers, she can arrange meetings and photo shoots with the president, um, which is just really interesting. And granted, anybody can post anything that they want make claims on the internet of what they can do. But I just figured we should get together and talk about this sort of the culture of demand um, for prostitution, for the sex industry that we have in the United States, and then also our culture of tolerance and just normalizing um, some of this stuff. So today I've got um, Chad with me. He's returning from, uh, he was in one of our previous interviews, and I've also got Edward uh, with me. So we're just going to be talking today about that. So, um, you guys, I, I don't really have any planned, um, questions for us to, um, to necessarily start off with. And I know that you guys, um, you know, you've been busy in life. You're not necessarily like following everything, all the documentary, like watching all of that and that kind of stuff. But what do you guys think about like the culture of demand that we have either in, in Hawaii, in the United States, um, in the world of like, that it's okay for, it's usually male customers, but it's okay to have sex available for purchase, whether it be pornography or whether it be in person, like prostitution. Well, you mentioned R. Kelly. Um, and I just think about it. I grew up you know, in school and stuff through the 90s. And even back then, um, there was a huge culture of demand. Look at like all of the songs, like all of the slow jams Mm. that we were listening to. Like all of those, a lot of those were sexually driven songs. The the popular movies um, had strong sexual elements. And um, Edward and I were even talking about this last night in preparation. Um, One of the things that stood out to me is even um, 
even Disney movies, um, like you have this setup where uh, the this this young vulnerable woman would be mm. uh, would need to be rescued by a male, and a lot of times, like the reward would be like a kiss or something, and it'd be like because you rescued me, I owe you mm. in gratitude um, of something physical. And so, even from the time that our our young girls and our young boys are really really young, we're just starting to produce that mindset of uh, if I give you or if I do a, something kind for you, the payment is something physical. Um, mm. And so we said even in our cartoons, I mean, you know, it's starting to shift a little bit with like, you know, Frozen and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we have generations that grew up with that kind of mindset. Uh, but now with, you know, everything online, um, everything is trying to produce that demand. Like you're only one or two clicks away from pornography, no matter where you're like, you could be on the most wholesome site and you're Mm. two clicks away from like the darkest images on the internet. Mm. um, There's mass appeal to even children. Um, The people that are producing pornography are appealing to children. So they're working hard to create this appetite. And so you have generations that have a strong appetite for sexual things. um, And, you know, when people are hungry, they're going to go out and find what they're hungry for. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a good point. Edward, what do you think about like the culture of demand and just kind of like what's permissible in society or what's encouraged? I think it's become like more and more normalized, like with especially pornography. Mm-hmm. Like, people are getting introduced to pornography at a younger and younger age. Like as we keep going, because internet access is so easy. Kids just have smartphones everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I first came across pornography by accident when I was younger, just on a school computer. Um, and so, like, I think because it's becoming so normal, just talking to other people, like, and people would say that almost all men, you know, like, probably almost everyone's watched pornography at some point. Whether mm-hmm. it's by accident or intentionally finding it, um, and it's just become so normalized that we've just become desensitized to it. Um, and I think about, especially with um, younger age women, um, when we were talking about it earlier, I was thinking about how you know about how R. Kelly was married to Aaliyah when you know they were really, when she was really young. And about how in other cultures, like like ancient cultures, a lot of the women who got married were like very young, and they get mm. married to older men. Um, mm. And especially in those patriarchal societies where it was okay to marry like multiple women, mm-hmm. and they could just marry whoever was convenient or whoever they wanted to. Um, but we're becoming more aware in our culture of you know that's. That's not good. That's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I mean, it is interesting. Like, I vaguely remember, I think I was probably a teenager myself when it came out that R. Kelly had married Aaliyah, because this is before the the P tapes. This is before that mm. came forward, I think. And But it was interesting how, like, society and culture didn't really react to it as if it was a big deal. And she's 15 years old and he's marrying her. Like, that's just, 
insane. And they were making these television like appearances together, like dressed in the same outfits. And he was significantly older than her. And watching the R. Kelly um, documentary, they talk about it at one point in there. And so one of his, um, I don't know what he was like some sort of a manager or whatever, like on tour with him, like for help forge the documents to say mm-hmm. that she was 18 so that they could get the marriage license. Her parents didn't know all this kind of stuff, but then her parents do end up standing up and getting it annulled in a few months, but they R. Kelly gave them a hundred dollars, 100, just $100 <laughs> to like not talk about it and like not pursue like <laughs> legal something and i was just like a hundred dollars like that's just insane and just insane from society like how there just hasn't been outrage right it's just been normalized and even not related to like sexual acts um like what chad was talking about in media um like even those basic disney movies where it's just subliminally Mm. put into your head um but there's also a lot of movies um where in the romantic romantic relationships you have women who are because you know as women get older you know we as we kind of objectify them in our media once they get older they're kind of irrelevant and obsolete whereas men can continue to be considered attractive as they get older Mm. and then so you have women playing opposite uh, men who are like 20, 30 years older than them in a romantic setting. And it, it becomes normal. Like Mm. it becomes attractive because that movie portrays it as an attractive romance. Mm. Yeah. And the R Kelly thing with Aaliyah, that, that actually started a kind of movement Mm. where it should have started an uprage like how is this old man marrying this teenager yeah like Aaliyah came out with that song aging nothing but a number getting down mm-hmm. and nothing but a thing and so now you have all these young girls that are like upper elementary junior high young high school girls yeah I like they want an R. Kelly now like they're out looking for an older man and, like, I remember even being that age, like, girls going after the older men, going after the 20-something-year-olds. And, mm-hmm. and, like, if they could pull or find a, a 20-something-year-old or something, like, that was a positive thing. And, like, you see in movies now, like, just like you were just saying, like, where you see these these old men, older men are with, like, young 20-year-olds or in relationships with, you know, upper teenage, but it's, it's being painted as a positive thing. Because, you know, he's distinguished and she's mature. And it's really twisted and perverse the way that they Mm -hmm. paint it. But they paint it as like, this isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get um, an audience watching this. And it's it's creating desire. It's creating an appetite in them. Or Mm -hmm. even question like, is this this what I should be going for? And you have an older man who's, you know, feeling over the hill and not feeling attractive. And like, you know, if I have a little money and you know, frost the tips of my hair, mm-hmm. you know, and go get me like a pretty young thing, then, you know, I'm back on again. Or uh, a young um, a young girl who is struggling with identity issues, you know, an older guy mm-hmm. feeling that father role, but also pouring into her in a way that she hasn't been before. And we know that's the way, you know, the game mm-hmm. works. They, you know, they're looking for girls that are vulnerable in that way. Um, but it's also, you know, creating creating setting people up to be 
victimized because our culture, our entertainment history is, is painted. This is this is life. This yeah. is. Uh, my daughter said um, said a phrase the other day. It's talking about you know the the difference between going to a Christian school or going to a public school. And she's like, well, you know, this is real life or this is the real world. And we see the darkness is like, that's the real world, but that's, you know, this is destructive. Mm. Um, and this isn't just the way that things should be, but you know, oftentimes it's painted like mm-hmm. the, through that song agent, but like it was painted. Like this is just the way things are. And this isn't a big deal. And you know, this is actually what we should be pursuing. And then you have a generation of people chasing after that. Yeah. I really like taking back a little bit what you guys were talking about with like the Disney movies and the way that we kind of set the foundation because, you know, my kids are pretty young and, um, you know, my daughter's in kindergarten and I've been frustrated in recent years where I see people asking her like, oh, do you have a boyfriend or, oh, you're going to grow up and like, oh, he's your best friend. Like, oh, you can grow up and marry him and this kind of stuff. And it, um, I mean, sometimes I feel crazy about it because nobody else seems to be reacting to it the way that I am. But I get so frustrated. I'm like her earliest messages of interacting with the opposite sex um, or speaking to her about her future does not need to be about who's she going to marry. And like, who you know, which is basically to simplify it. I mean, who you are going to marry is who you're going to agree to have sex with for the rest of your life. You know, I'm like, we don't need to have that conversation at like four or five years old. Like this is, this is completely irrelevant. This is not the most important thing to be talking to her about in her future. You know what I mean? And I think it's all of us. Like I find myself all also like I'm, I'm searching for things to compliment her on that isn't about her appearance Mm -hmm. or her look or her, clothes you know what I mean and it's just really interesting in society how we like you know peg the boys of like oh you're so strong and girls oh you're so pretty and oh your boyfriend and this kind of stuff and um I don't know it's interesting my daughter she brought it up to me this week because she was frustrated that another little girl was like oh where's your boyfriend and she's like I don't have a boyfriend I have a friend that's a boy (laughs) and like this was becoming a point of contention between them this because five year old conversation. conversation. <laughs> and I was like, um, you know, not speaking poorly about the other kid or the other parents or anything like that, but it's just, I mean, it's so normalized in our culture. And then, like, how are we, how is this influencing like our young boys mm-hmm. and our young girls and like how they see the opposite sex? Like, do they? see that they can just have a friendship does it always have to be romantic or sexualized is this really important about their future if they're going to be married or not you know currently in our culture your your identity is your sexuality Mm. and so which is a fairly new thing but it's all the way that we identify people is according to their sexuality. So whatever your sexual identity, like that's your entire identity. Mm. And so everybody's thinking about themselves sexually and you're looking mm-hmm. at everybody else according to their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that's the basis by which we're judging people, why we're entering into relationship with people. Like everything is gauged on a basis of sexuality now. And it's <clears throat> what's driving and pushing. Like we were talking about like even like they're advertising hamburgers now or what did you say? Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't air, conditioners, oh, yeah, air conditioners um, with sexuality 
just the, mm. the, the way that human beings are viewing each other is not like you're you're nothing beyond your sexuality and it's it's so it's only it's what we're thinking about now it's what it's what everyone's talking about like five-year-olds mm. shouldn't be shouldn't be having a conversation about you know your boyfriend or girlfriend like no one's getting married at five years old <laughs> um <clears throat> And if someone's trying to marry if I like that should be a problem, but it might not be if you come up with the right song now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. All right. So I got a question for you guys. Like, I feel like in society, or I don't know how we weigh this, but like if a woman is identified as a prostitute, like that scene is a really negative thing, right? Like, ho, whore, slut, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff. I remember people talking trash about Aaliyah, like, oh, that girl's just fast. You know, same thing about the girl that was in the video with him, the 14-year-old. He's, like, pissing in her mouth and clearly abusive. And, by the way, it shows him paying her money before he starts that video. Like, so it would it would fit the elements of, of trafficking. But anyway, you have people talking trash about women, right? But I don't. I don't think so. I don't hear it. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it. Do people talk trash about the men who purchase sex you know what i mean like it's like oh well the woman is trash she's fast she's all this kind of stuff but then the customer it's not really looked at in society i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe i've missed something it's not really looked like as like we don't have a lot of words to describe that individual in a super negative connotation i think in terms of like men who purchase sex there i think there is a little bit of a negative connotation of like Mm. he's lonely like he he has to Mm. resort to this Mm. in order to um get sex but at the same time there is a lot that is also normalized like going to a bachelor party like going to a strip club yeah like it's it seems like the norm yeah Um, and also on the other side of not just purchasing sex but um like i was talking to one of our friends who she works a lot with um, trafficking victims, but of like the way that the word pimp is used is mm. a positive thing. Like pimp my ride, you know, I'm going to pimp my crib. Like it, mm. it talks about, you know, I have like, I have money and I'm like using it to create this attractive image um, of myself uh, through that money. And, it becomes sexy in a way. Mm-hmm. You don't hear a lot of conversation about about the victimizers, about the buyers. <clears throat> like a lot of people talk about the the victims, mm-hmm. um, but there's not a lot of conversation happening about those that are in demand mm-hmm. of them. Um, and like you said, like when you do, it's like they're. Like maybe they don't have the game to just pull, so they have to buy, or they're lonely, mm. or you know they're on vacation, so they just want to have a good time or whatever. Mm. Um, but like, there's not really like those conversations aren't really that dominant. Right yeah. Now people aren't really. There's like there's a victim, but we're not like okay, who's creating the victims? Mm-hmm. Like who's doing these things to them? Like where's the demand? And like, I know you have a lot of those conversations, and you're starting a lot of that talk. Um, but that's not yeah. a lot of like no one's there's not outreaches going after the mm-hmm. victims. There's not um, programs and stuff being oh, going set after up, the perpetrators. Oh, going after the per- I'm sorry, you're yeah, going after the perpetrators, the victimizers. Um, 
but that needs to be a conversation. It needs to be something that people are talking about more because the de- if the demand drives dries mm-hmm. up, um, then you know there's not going to be the market for it. Yeah, they're the um, ones pouring the money into it. That's a good point. Do you guys have any ideas of like? Because I feel like that people listening. Um, they could be young adults themselves or they could be, you know, parents, you know, um, and be raising young boys, young girls. Right. Like and you're right. We do talk a lot about like protecting the victims and the vulnerable and this kind of stuff. And that can be boys or girls. But usually more on the consumer side is more males. So do you guys have any ideas of what kind of conversation that we can be having with or how we can be raising our young boys mm-hmm. to become, you know, young men and to protect them from some of these uh, lies or pressures that, you know, society puts on them that they have to be, you know, strong. They have to be the dominant one or, you know, I don't know, these kinds of things. Like what kind of things have you seen have been kind of toxic for boys or for young men and how can we you have any ideas on how we can start shaping the conversation that would actually empower and encourage our young boys and men to be stronger i like that you bring that up because just thinking about what we were talking about today um i was thinking like is it too late to change our culture now and the only Mm. thing we can do is really prepare the next generation like mm-hmm. what can we do to shape our culture now um, but in terms of the message that we give our young boys and our young girls I think for for boys it's really like what defines a man like mm-hmm. in our culture it's become so much of a man should be able to get whatever he wants like you know he doesn't let anyone take advantage of him mm-hmm. um, but I think, at least from a biblical standpoint, you know, one verse that I like to think about um, Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, the attitude that men should have towards women is when Paul talks about how husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. Like, it's very much about I'm I'm entering, like, I'm sacrificing, like... Mm -hmm. And that should be our attitude, like not just our towards our wives, but towards like all women of like, I'm willing to lay down my life. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Like I want to humble myself. Like, mm-hmm. and if there's any like tension, like, you know, there's this idea of redemption uh, between us and God where he was the one to initiate and, um, you know, even if we were the ones who wrong, like he was the one who came and sacrificed his life. So like, um, no matter what conflict there is between a man and a woman, like he should be the one to initiate in terms of like being able to humble himself. And so just mm-hmm. having that culture of respect and honor towards women, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I think that's something we want to instill in our, our young boys. Like this is what it means to be a man, mm-hmm. not to be able to get what you want and not have anyone take advantage of you, but to be someone who protects and takes care of the women in their lives. Mm, I like that. That's super, super good. <clears throat> yeah, I think a lot of that, <clears throat> like even in just piggybacking on what you said, is just the mindset. Like we, when our 
our little boys are like super flirty or getting attention like like we praise that and we celebrate that and mm. if they are mm, like, gonna be a heartbreaker yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and we and they, so they're growing up from a very young age and I'm like this is what I'm supposed to be mm. when they show any signs of sensitivity or brokenness it's like we we stomp that out mm. and so we're like don't do that but like we're really creating a sexual monster in them and mm. we teach them you know girls and boys can't be friends like if they have a relationship and it's got we so we push them so like if they have a, a female friend that's like she can't just be your friend like mm -hmm. you, you have to go go after it um and then we don't have the conversations like you said like mm -hmm. we're kind of like we need to start having conversations with them about what it is to be a man um <clears throat> about how they should view um, women. Um, when our sons look at us, when we're mm. out in public and our sons look at us, like, are they seeing us look mm. at all the women mm. around? Are they seeing us, like, try to steal stares and stuff or be flirty? Like, what are they getting from us non-verbally and then what conversations are we having with them? If we're noticing that they're looking mm. at a woman, uh, we're, as, I, as I added to like, oh, that's just a boy. That's just what guys do. Mm, boys or, will be boys. Yeah. Or are we <laughs> like, no, you shouldn't look at a woman like that. Like, that's not what they're there for. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at them like that is abusive. Mm. Um, are we having those types of conversations with them? Um, and like just modeling that day after day after day um, and training them up in a way that causes them to honor mm -hmm. women and cause them to respect themselves. Instead of like, oh, like you said, like boys will be boys. That's what guys do. I remember when I first started going to church, <clears throat> went to this youth group thing with my some friends of mine. And um, like the the pastor was just talking to us about like making sure that we're protected and stuff. And I'm like, mm, like, like if, use if, condoms. If, yeah, if anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you should be telling me. And I stand up. I'm like, shouldn't you be telling me like about being pure and stuff? And he's like, well, that's not realistic. Like, because, you know, you know, we're guys, you know, we're just we're going to struggle. Like if I'm created to struggle and it really I would left out, like if I'm created to struggle, then what's the point? Yeah, I was in a position for him to because I went there looking for like hope and mm -hmm. hey, you're better than this. And something of, as a teenager, I'm looking for this dude to tell me something pure. And he's like. You're always going to struggle. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, if I'm, if this is it, but that's what we're telling our boys. Mm. Like, there's no sense yeah. in fighting these urges because you're like, just don't get caught. Don't let it get too bad. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I learned early on, like perversion is never, it's, it never has like a, a, a filling point where it's mm. like, okay, that was good enough. And so like, we're thinking like, oh, this, this stuff is light and innocent, but our, our sons are like dabbling with a little bit of it early mm. on. And then a little bit more, and they need a little bit more to be full, and a little bit more to be full. And then mm. you're looking, we're putting, you know, we're just blasting media-wise for them, and they have the, they're recreating this insatiable hunger, so that by the time they are 20s, 30s, like they need super, super dark stuff to be mm. satisfied. But that's starting when they're little kids. They're like, oh, well, that's just boy stuff. That's just yeah. guy stuff. If we see him, like, kissing an older woman on the cheek and, you know, batting their eyes, it's like, oh, look at you. Like, oh, he's going to be a heartbreak kid. Or, yeah. Like, he's going to be pulling all the girls when he's like, no, like, I don't want to create mm -hmm. um, a young, uh, my son to be a perverted man. And so mm -hmm. I need to start thinking about that and having those conversations when we're young. Mm. I like that. Those are good good points from you guys of just like how we can shift the perspective, how we can shift our conversations. 
um, with our children, with young boys, how we can, you know, feed into them and like build them up, um, think more creatively basically of like how we fill them up, how we build them up, um, rather than praising them for being able to get the girl Mm -hmm. or, um, or that kind of thing, you know, like, I think that's helpful. And I appreciate your story, Chad, of just like you going and looking for somebody to speak into you, like hope for basically discipline, Mm -hmm. like give me hope that I can discipline myself and that like, there is a way to be, um, you know, stronger and there is a way, you know, there's hope in purity. There's, there's Mm -hmm. good things in purity and there's worthiness in it and people instead giving you a message of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shortly after that, um, I lost my virginity. I was 15 years old Mm. and like, I didn't have, that could have been the place that I went to uh, because like I put on the front, like I was super like, like I'm in now, Mm -hmm. but inside out, like, I regretted that moment so bad. I remember mm-hmm. even like that, that, that day happened at a lunch hour mm-hmm. um, at school. Went back to my buddy's house with my girlfriend at the time. And both of us lost our virginity to each other. <clears throat> and the, the walk back, I, the whole time I was just wishing, like I wish something would have happened that would have prevented this. Like I wish mm-hmm. I would have gotten in trouble and had been in the office. I wish I would have been sick and didn't come to school this day. Like I wish I could go back to the morning and this not happen. Like the, it was like this, this empty feeling, mm. but I had no one I could go to. And I, I couldn't go back to that church because he would just been like, hey, <laughs> you need you more condoms. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. But our sons are looking, are looking for something because there's, there's this moment in every young person's life where you're being pulled in one direction, but you're feeling like, like, I don't know if that's quite right. I don't know if I should really go on like something inside of me doesn't feel quite right about that. Mm-hmm. And like we're allowing society to break our kids. And we're encouraging our kids to be broken by so we're, mm. we're pushing that stuff on them and we're calling some of it it's just fun or it's just entertainment or like kids are just going to be kids um, and we're not really protecting them. Um, yeah. I think going off of what you're like, something I thought about as you're talk sharing your story, um, like how you lost your virginity at 15, like that's something that we kind of glorify in our mm-hmm. cultures like mm-hmm. what you haven't lost your virginity mm-hmm. yet like what's mm-hmm. wrong with you mm-hmm. um and so like <clears throat> we need to like for our, our young kids and our young adults just of like is this what is your goal like is your goal just to like have sex and lose your virginity or like do you have you have a greater purpose like mm-hmm. god has given you mm-hmm. a much greater purpose like this is not something that you know like it's not something that should be your end goal or that needs to even be glorified that much. Yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. you have, there's more way, like you said in the beginning, like there's way more to you mm-hmm. than your sexual identity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, we'll, we should probably wrap up this episode. This is all good stuff. I feel like, well, we could talk for hours about all kinds of things in society and trafficking and how we treat each other and everything like that. But I'm sure everybody's got things they got to get to, and so do we. So um, I appreciate you guys joining me today. Like, I love the discussion episodes much more than just my solo episodes. Um, And hopefully all of our listeners, like, really enjoy it also. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.